right, welcome y'all back to yeah. Can't say, I just said y'all like I'm Brian Johnson yeah. or like I'm my friend with my friend Michael Sherwin who yes, is sir. also from the South. Um, and now he's mm, from a different. That's, that's not true. Is Texas not the South? No, Texas is its own country. So it's, Texas is Texas. Yeah. Okay, I'm so confused. Yeah. But Texas is south of where I'm at right it now. It is. It is. But for those of us from the quote unquote South, we just give Texas all the respect that they want. <laughs> is that true. what? What's your take on that, Michael? I mean, I feel like we need to start on this. It's true. Uh, Texas is very famous. You guys have probably picked this up as you've traveled, but it's one thing saying you're from the U.S. It's another saying you're from Texas. So uh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I when got... I when I say we give it all the respect, what I mean is we let them think we give yeah, it all the right. respect. It's like that they want. <laughs> uh, that they think. Brian, they where are you from? Uh, Georgia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I hear it. I hear the accent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we hear it all the time. And all of our faithful listeners hear it as well. And that brings us right back to where we're at. So last week, Brian and I kind of, we walked. I'm not, I'm not sure how that brings us back, but it totally does. In my mind, it really helps collaborate things. Um, collaborate re- things? Cab- recalibrate. Seems. Calibrate is the word I'm looking for. Not stop, collaborate and listen but that works too so everyone stop collaborate and listen because we are about to jump into a further conversation about some common observations around uh urban environment movements right and so uh my friend michael here and we brought michael on and michael i just want to like maybe just start with a couple minutes of who are you why are you here in the kansas city underground podcast And, and you're you find yourself not in the south of the United States of America, you find yourself in South Africa. So I'd love to hear how that happened. So yeah, just give you the floor so for a couple. You really minutes. wanting to make that joke? Yeah, I was you? like, I was teeing that up. For I like ruined three it a minute ago. So, you're like, I'm coming back. <laughs> so yeah, Michael, who are you, man? Yeah, um, well, I'm not. I'm not super important, um, but uh, I'm from Texas, which is which is pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I grew up in Texas in the north, so Dallas, Fort Worth area. Um, I grew up uh, Jewish, so I grew up uh, um, in sort of the conservative Jewish uh, part of Dallas-Fort Worth, which is not very big, uh, the community, but um, had a radical uh, sort of transformation in my life at university. I went to the University of Texas. Um, that was around the time that my my We both did an uh, upside-down hook'em hook horn, so oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Keep going, keep going. You're doing great. Uh, yeah, wow. Um, are you a student? <laughs> no. no, he's a he's okay. a K State guy, and okay, yeah. And Texas is leaving the Big Twelve, and mm-hmm. I'm a huge SEC guy. Which you know, there you so go. We don't. Neither of us know how to feel about you, but anyway, keep <laughs> yeah. going. I'm glad you had a, a powerful. I don't know how to there. feel about me either. Um, <laughs> in, um but uh, yeah, so um, I I met my wife at uh, in high school. Uh, she went to Southwestern, which is a small liberal arts college down the road from the University of Texas. We were very close friends. Um, I had a radical conversion experience um, where I really met the person of Jesus and he spoke to me and it changed my life forever. Wow. Um, this was at a really crucial time in my life when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I was considering medical school. Uh, like my parents, of course, wanted me to do. And I was also at the time considering rabbinical school. And so all of these things were coming up. Um, but uh, the Lord really spoke to me. And in the in the next couple of years, he, he actually said to me, um, I really want you to go to the nations. Um, the, you have a, a greater calling than just sort of this whole medical thing, which I also think is pretty cool. 
Um, and so um, when my wife and I got married in 2009, we were already exploring this idea of going to the nations, but uh, God kind of led us to South Africa. So um, we went to uh, South Africa to learn how to do church planting and disciple making, which we really did not know what those things were at the time. Hmm. And so we walk into this school with these giants, um, Floyd McClung, who started All Nations uh, and several others. And Based we didn't know how incredible they were. I'm sorry? Floyd, the base is here in Kansas City, All Nations. The yeah, that's US right. Um, they're so from we, we Kansas City. Um, they have such a rich history out of Kansas City and still yeah. do, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, we went to this CPX school thing, hmm. and uh, we met these guys that told us about this thing called church planning movements, which they also talked about disciple-making movements. And um, we were not really interested in church planting as it was explained to us kind of as we were getting ready, you know, like... You know, you're gonna you're gonna go to a new community and you're gonna build a building and you're gonna make church happen and you're gonna invite people in. But man, I would tell you when we heard about what God was doing around the world with local leaders and how He was moving among ordinary people and He was doing it uh, in an uncontrollable, incredible way that is outside of our even expectations or imagination, uh, it captured our hearts. And so. Um, we, uh, I mean, it was it was a few years after that we decided to come back, and God led us back. But uh, we had some growing up to do, which is a good part of our process. But uh, we came back to South Africa in 2012, joined All Nations um, fully, um, became part of uh, a community that was very intentional about uh, making disciples among the neglected peoples of the earth. Mm. Um, you know, we use the term, you know, unreached, unengaged, unreached people, groups, frontier. We used all those terms, but basically we said neglected. And it was amazing. Um, we got to see uh, in many parts of the world with our own eyes, these these moves, these disciple making movements, as were described to us, mm. um, got to see it in, in various places um, and got to work with leaders who were actually called to go to those places but most of them to be honest most of them were local leaders who actually said i want to learn how to do this and then they would go back to their original context um so but the reality was so i was i was part of uh and i, I still am part of the all nations community but um but the reality is as we were learning more and more about movements we saw this pattern repeat itself uh these incredible moves of god were overwhelmingly happening in the rural and suburban areas or suburban i wouldn't even say suburban but mm -hmm. rural and, you know, away from the cities. And I remember reading uh, Contagious Disciple Making um, by the Watsons. And I remember it talking about that so briefly. It just had the, it was almost in my mind, it was like a sentence. It just said, mm -hmm. you know, these are by and large happening in the rural, out of the way places and uh, and not happening in cities. Um, full mm -hmm. stop. And and that for me was the next six or seven years. I kept asking why, why could that possibly be true? What What is it about cities that makes them more difficult? Or uh, maybe God doesn't like the city very much, which obviously isn't true if you look at the scriptures. So uh, for the next, you know, seven years, as I helped with training um, disciple makers and training cross-cultural workers, et cetera, we just weren't seeing that. And we saw a few glimpses of it. We saw it in Uganda um, quite a bit. We saw a really incredible move in Kampala that is still going on. But by and large, it was happening in the other spaces. And so um, the past couple of years, I joined up with uh, 248, 
which is the organization that is actually currently downstairs with us, um, with David Broderick, who was one of the people who introduced All Nations to disciple-making movements. And uh, they are at the forefront of asking that question, God, what is it that you want to do in our cities? Um, yeah, to fulfill the Great Commission. And how then can we be the kinds of people who follow you and get to join in that? So mm. that's a little bit about me. Um, I currently work with the 248 team. They're amazing. Yeah. And man, that was perfect. Yeah, was well like, done. Well done, man. I feel like you've done that before, or you're just that. <laughs> no, that's great because yeah, you, uh, I'd love to just interview you more and more. But I think I think the point probably of this podcast is to kind of get yep. into a, like this recent project that you guys were, have been working on with two four eight. I mean, that's just a little side comment here. So I told you this the other day. Like David was is on the short list of voices globally that I've probably leaned into the most. Similarly, yeah. because it was in 2014 or 15 when I was in I was in Kenya hanging with the the Lifeway crew and Isla that I first heard Amazing. about yeah D- David's like uh, heart for cities and some of the early trainings. It sounds like you were there. You were a part of all that, which is exciting to to kind of see those cross you know the, those roads intersect here. Um, but it was so similar because I was like I was in Africa to learn how to do movement in Kansas City. And yeah. uh, like, I wasn't there Definitely. to take any knowledge. <laughs> I, was, I was there to learn from those guys. I'm like, I want to, I want to do what you're doing. And that jumped out to me, man. Cause there was a few observations that I had even then that I'm mm-hmm. like, this will, this will blatantly not work in the West in the way that I'm seeing it play out right now. But yet all of these things I know are true. I see some things that are really consistent. So anyway, so it's like, it's so fun to have you. I really appreciate it. So when you go back downstairs, tell all of them, mm-hmm. I say, what's up? Um, and that Brian says, love to. They, they, they all know who you are. And, you know, when we were doing this project, uh, you know, one of the things they said is you, you've got to talk to Corey, um, about what, what they're seeing in, in KC. So anyway, that's, Amen, you know, that's, the well, that's, that's fun to hear. And, and, and Brian's the, the mastermind, he's the, the well, like we said, the, the one Enneagram of, uh, keeping all of our crap together. Can we, we don't have to edit that out. No, you can say crap. Okay, good. So we've got a lot of crap. Uh, and so there's kind of. The, what we have found so much is is some of these organic systems meeting mm-hmm. a lot of disciple making movement um, DNA uh, and we have found to see some lot of fruit here so uh, with all of that being said we are one of um, lots of people that you guys interviewed and so maybe we'll throw this out to you of like tell us about the project we, we got a little bit of the heart of why the project yep. if there's anything more you want to touch on with that but just yeah unpack a little bit of um, what the process was, but what you guys were trying to get at and yeah, take it from there. Yeah. Uh, great question. I mean, um, the two, four, eight team has been talking about this a long time and it, it's probably helpful to say it's, uh, there's, there's really nothing new under the sun in that sense. Like they really have been, uh, trying to tackle this project for, uh, a long time, a decade. Um, but uh, in terms of a formal process, uh, when I joined the team, uh, the 248 team, I didn't know what I would do for them at all. Um, you know, I, I've been training for a long time, but I'm I was entering, I'm I'm still in, right? A learning season where I I need to learn about what God is doing in the cities more than I need to teach what God is doing in the cities. And so um their suggestion was, why don't you just talk with a bunch of them. And I was really resistant to that idea, not because I didn't want to hear their stories, but because that's not my skill set, I thought. And so um, we had a really amazing conversation with a very intelligent lady 
um, a, a PhD in uh, complex adaptive systems and in resilience theory. Um, super smart. Yeah, you and, read a lot uh, about that, haven't you, Brian? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, it, it's it's really worth reading about. I'll tell you that. And uh, um, I was learning a lot about these complex systems and what a complex adaptive system is and the fact that a city is this living system and almost an organism and we shouldn't treat it like a complicated system like an airplane or a simple system like a like an equation and uh you know we were talking about this and uh with this incredibly smart lady who is trying to fix the electrical grid in south africa i don't know if you've seen on the on the news international news but our south african electrical grid is a disaster hmm. and she's trying to build resilience into a system like that and so she loves she loves the Lord. And we asked her, well, then, OK, so we want to learn more about what God is doing in cities. How can we do that? Because we don't want to be the kinds of people that just create, you know, we, we don't want to create new ideas. There's plenty of new ideas out, out there. We want to know what God is doing right now and how we can join him. And she said, if you want to uh, learn what God is doing in the, in the cities of the world around disciple making movements, you need to listen to their stories. And that was a that was a defining moment, at least for this epoch in my life, um, because I knew that this thing that they asked me to do when I joined was actually something that I should take on. And so um, we started again asking a lot of smart people, "How do you do research in uh, ethnographic research, interview research, sociological research, all of these things?" Um, because I don't have a clue. I mean, I have a, bio a biology background, um, but uh, we didn't do a, we didn't do this kind of research. And so um, so we we learned how to do research by doing it. We learned by making tons of mistakes. We learned by asking very smart people to look over our processes and stuff. But basically what we what we decided to do is we're going to ask uh, through relationship people working in cities that have seen some level of multiplication, some level level of generational growth. Uh, what are they doing? What is God doing? How how are they joining what God is doing? Um, and uh, yeah, we asked a series of eight questions and we did that with a lot of people. And uh, I mean, the, I can talk more about the methodology if you'd like, but but basically that was the one of the greatest joys of the past few years of my life was sitting down and hearing firsthand, man, God is moving around the world. Mm. And most of it is quite unique. Uh, and, you know, what what is happening in Singapore is a little bit different than what's happening in East Africa. But there are some patterns and similarities. And if we are real, if if we're really paying attention, that to me is is the sort of the the kernels of the kingdom. You know, what yeah. is God doing over the face of the planet that we can do and what is unique to cities and how can we join them? Yeah, Man, yeah, that's that's beautiful. Brian, I do want to give you uh you know, invitation here to jump in whenever you want, because otherwise I'm just going to keep talking. At, That's fine. At Michael, you're just here to yeah, and just listen or to watch you. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. Um, man. Okay. So, so good. So, so like from what I'm understanding, you just do a lot of listening, seeing, you know, get sitting in these questions with people. I mean, I got to be one of the people interviewed, so I got to tell you a lot did. of stories and, um, mm -hmm. and you just kind of, and it's fun because when people ask you about what you're doing and what you're seeing God at work, it's, yeah. it's fun to, to talk about. And, but I, I, I'm, I'm probably really similar in the sense that I'm just so stirred, not just by information or, or numbers, but it's like, man, you actually get to sit with, with the people. 
And, you know, so like a lot of what we're trying to do in Kansas City is um, in many ways directly learned from movement expressions globally, Mm -hmm. um, while at the same time having some, um, yeah, uh, adapting to some things that we understand in the Western and urban context. And um, and so maybe before, like we go a lot of places with this because you guys landed on 15 kind of top common observations, Mm -hmm. right? Were there any... I don't, know if, I don't know. Could you lump some of those in together to even more generic, mm-hmm. like big takeaways? Like looking at urban movements around the world, these are some of the major, major. Ta- There's like the major takeaways and the major, major takeaways. I'm wondering if, yeah, you know, unpack some yeah, of that. that. That's a great question and a terrifying one um, <laughs> because you know I've been I've been staring at this data for a really long time, and it's probably helpful to say before I try and answer that that. Um, this process was far from perfect. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that we, I think, are doing right is we're going to constantly improve it and make it as scientific, as as pure as possible. The reality, though, and and actually this, uh, this really smart lady who I was speaking about uh, actually said this. She said, no matter what you do, you're going to influence the system. Mm-hmm. By definition, uh, me having these interviews with these leaders and practitioners in cities is actually having an influence on them. So I said, well, what can we do about that? She said, own it. You know, like mm-hmm. just say up front that th- this is part of the process. We are learning from one another. But tell me what is emergent in your cities. Tell me what is unique. Tell me what God is doing. And hopefully, you know, we're we're learning some things. So first and foremost, let me say this is an imperfect uh, scientific process that we're we're doing as much as we can. But it's it's scary because we we don't want it to just confirm our own biases. Like we're really excited about disciple making and disciple making movements. But if all we say in the end is, hey, disciple making movements is the way, then yeah I'm, yeah, I'm a little worried about that. But that being said, um, seems like a few things are are seem to be true about cities. Um, one is that they are uh, more individualistic mm-hmm. than the surrounding areas. So, you know, if you went from the suburbs of KC likely into the city of KC, you'd probably find that that individualistic flair is is more prevalent. Um, That is also true in Africa. So uh, there's a city that I'm going to pronounce wrong. It used to be called Port Elizabeth, but it's now called Haberha. And uh, uh, they renamed it about three years ago, which I thought was cool, but it's a hard name. And uh, (laughs) same thing. Uh, The surrounding areas, the surrounding townships that are around the, uh, the city center are less individualistic but more and more as people move to the city they move to the city for various reasons but they're highly it's highly economic um it's it's usually uh, a lot of times and in, in the in the non-western places it's for survival it's for economic opportunities and so people are less interested in just uh the collective and more interested in what can i do right now in order to survive. And then that turns a little bit into, you know, forming community and other things around interests and affinities, but it starts out that way. So that's, that's one observation. Um, And that has some consequences for the ways that we reach people. Um, I think overwhelmingly, I heard over and over again, and it's, it's not maybe explicit in this document, but people in cities are extremely busy. Um, sometimes and often too busy to be effective at making disciples. 
uh, or being a disciple or both or all the above. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're also lonely. Um, Yeah, everyone thinks that everyone else has all the friends and they're all having all the fun. And some of that is social media. But it's also true that uh, we we're so busy. We're so engaged with our life in various centers that we actually a lot of us find ourselves um, lonely and practitioners in cities experience that, but also communities experience that. And so the way that we serve the needs of the people in cities changes a little bit. And you can see that through some of the observations, Mm. Um, you know, as a zooming in the one on one, I talk about, you know, one of the observations is one on one discipleship seems to be really important in cities. Mm. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons is people are so lonely and so busy. They've got to start somewhere. And one of the ways we can do that is really, you know, honing in on this is these are my people. I'm committing myself to them and they're committing themselves to a discipleship process. So yeah. there are a few. Those are huge. You may ask something. So you keep hitting me. No, I just you look like you, <laughs> you look like you want to say something. Um, I guess the one we talked a little bit last week just about like the difference between uh, rural in the states and rural outside of that because we live in such a like a vast and not that i mean africa is four and a half times the u.s so um and it's an incredibly diverse continent as well but um i'm I'm not saying that the u.s is a continent i know it's one country anyway my point is like the way that our cities function like how have you seen um global cities as they bleed into suburbs as they bleed into quote-unquote rural um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the question I'm asking is, but here's, let me, let me give a little more context. I grew up in a very small town in South Georgia, just a farming community. Um, then we moved to what, well, like we would tell people, yeah, I'm from Atlanta. If you're like downtown Atlanta, they're like, well, are you inside the perimeter Atlanta mm-hmm. or not? You know, like it even got shortened to ITP at like, you know, you're inside the perimeter. <laughs> Um, so, and so KC's like that. I remember the first time we came out, Rob was like, Hey, welcome to Kansas city. And my wife was like, this is Shawnee. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you have that sense of like, like Corey's got a KC shirt on, like I'm from Kansas city. I live here. This is my city or I'm from Atlanta. But, um, and then like my time in Kampala, it's like, we spent a lot of time in what was probably considered quote unquote rural, because of the connection of the people um, and the understanding of like how they all needed each other to survive and exist, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I I just rambled a bunch, but like like the distinctions between the Mm -hmm. bleed from like highly urbanized to suburban to rural, um, how does that affect what you're doing? How do we pay, how does it teach us maybe? I don't know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It, it's a very good question, um, and I, I, we're trying to figure out the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I will say that, um, you know, we, we define a city, like in this document, we define a city according to how others define it. Um, it usually has a lot to do in, in our definition with density. That's really what we're talking about. So okay. where I work, for example, in South Africa, in the Cape Town area, There are a lot of places that are far from downtown. You know, they call it CBD, Central Business District, um, but are still considered cities because they are incredibly dense. 
a lot of the township settings in, in, in Africa, especially South Africa, are like that as a result of apartheid and sort of other systems. Um, and so we treat them as cities and they also operate more like cities than they do uh, like the rural farm uh, sort of village uh, sort of paradigm. And and I mean, you guys know this, but um, th this idea of, you know, what what brings people together, what do they have in common is extremely important, especially when speaking about disciple making, because the gospel typically moves through natural social networks. And so in rural settings, right, you have these very established uh, networks of people, and it might not be healthy, but they know each other and there's natural social networks. And usually uh, those are along the lines of common language and in the US obviously that's true but also in Africa it's common language common family common blood uh yeah those sorts of things but as you move into cities the reason that people gather when we talk about affinity groups we're really speaking about uh more things like common need common cause um you know common problems you know th things that bring us together rather than speaking about people groups um and I think that uh, the reality too, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much, right? But um, the reality too is those those networks are extremely difficult to map out. Often, like the people that I'm in relationship with in Cape Town are all over the place, but they're my community, yeah. and I see them, I see them online, um, but they're they're close to me, and and I think that those sorts of com complex th things make cities very challenging. Mm. Yeah, man, I, I remember David once saying one of the main answers to complexity is adaptability, right? Hundred percent. And I and I've loved that. I wrote that down, and that's been on the you know forefront of my brain for eight years. Thinking about disciple making, yeah. it's like it can't just be this is the thing we do. We only do this. Um, but yeah. there's there's common DNA that's consistent. But I think I think you're touching on. I mean, the three that I heard you say of what, what what kind of common observations of a city was um, individualism, loneliness, mm -hmm. and busyness. Was that the three? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. And, man, I mean, I'm telling you, any Americans listening to this right now, you're nodding along because that that is, one, you probably feel that. There's a very good chance that you're yeah. feeling that yourself and you're nodding along saying, yeah. Or if you are a leader or just an everyday practitioner trying to make disciples and you see, yeah, those are some of the biggest barriers to actually seeing disciple making. And it takes a lot of what I found, what we have found here in Kansas City, it does. It takes a lot of like, I understand that this is my calling. I'm going to go all in. Uh, otherwise, you do kind of get sucked into some of that stuff or it's just there. The gaps seem too big. Um and so, yeah, man, like I, I'm just saying everything you're saying is like a hearty yes and amen from us here in Kansas City. Um, and so I think that's why I'm excited. And, and for those of you listening, like I know a lot of people understand when we talk about disciple making movements, mm -hmm. like these are these viral explosions of the gospel that are happening globally. We're tracking over 2000 of them globally where we're seeing multiple generations of disciples making disciples, churches making churches um and they they kind of it's very much book of acts that happens and so mm -hmm. it's been happening you know what 
20, 25, 30 years, we're seeing like all these movements and they're just, and now movements are multiplying movements. And so we're sitting here in the States and in a lot of Western contexts in the urban, we're saying, man, I want in on that. Right. So that was so much of the heart of what we've been That's doing right. in Kansas City. We use that language a lot, but not like and if you're just jumping in the podcast, you might not have uh, we haven't defined disciple making movements probably in a while. Uh, but you're you know, that's what we talk about all the time. Um, right. So you're like, oh, OK, so that's what we're, we're talking with Michael here to really understand. OK, there's there's all these things happening around the world. They're happening in cities. What are some of the observations so that we can learn from them and kind of unpack it more? Um, so those those are three big things, obviously, that define a city when you're talking about engaging those cities. Yeah. You know, these 15 observations was was there one or two that really jumped out to you? And again, you've been in this for so long. I'm sure it's such a hard question, but like one or two that's like, oh, yeah, this one I find myself leaning into more yeah so again a good question um you guys are obviously have done this a while um i just love your affirmation of our good questions <laughs> yeah i mean it um you know look a, a lot of these observations for those that have been practicing will not be surprising mm -hmm. right um you know this idea of uh, you know, the first one, fostering obedient lifestyles through discovery learning. There's a bunch of words there, but basically we're saying, um, you know, God is speaking to us. How then can we apply this actively in our life to be transformed into the image of Christ over time yeah. together? Yeah. Um, you know, so again, these things are not that surprising. I think um, it was really encouraging and surprising to me. I'll, I'll hammer a little bit on it. This idea of uh, that there's such value in investing one-on-one -on -one in disciple-making relationships that multiply. I think as I got into disciple-making, sort of learned about it in 2010, as it was a paradigm shift for me and my family uh, and those around me, one of the things we kept talking about was like, let's disciple all these groups, you know, and, and, and actually in many places in the world, that's working quite well that, you know, when there's these established social networks, when you find this, this person who's excited about what you're sharing, when you share the gospel with them or you heal the sick, or there's a, um, there's these amazing things that happen. Uh, and then naturally the, they gather around that person and then naturally that, that, that spreads. Um, but but I, I struggled with that in a Western context because, you know, South Africa, it is African, but it's a it's a very strange mixture of of different cultures colliding. And so we very much have the the really uh, we have all of it. We have urban to rural. And so what I found in my context is that I could disciple one person or two people or three people or four people and I could trust the Lord for more. Um, and, and those people would then disciple many more. And some of those, some of those would turn into groups. But uh, by and large, it, when we invest heavily and high commitment in a few um, over time, and they do the same as, as that DNA gets passed on, it actually can produce uh, generational multiplicative disciple making. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. That was encouraging for me. And I think that that's also relevant in a Western context. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that yeah. was one of them. Uh, awesome. Um, yeah, another why you, one. Why don't you give one or two more? Go yeah, because we we could probably go each one of these, and it'll be a four-hour episode. So let's let, maybe if there's <laughs> yeah one or two other big ones, and then um, yeah, man, we may circle back and buggy again later because this is totally. this is awesome. Would love that. Um, you know, 
this idea, so the 12th one, for an example, lead by example into the harvest. I don't know how clear that is because I wrote it and I've been staring at it for others, but <laughs> it's this idea that we never graduate as leaders mm. from being carriers of the gospel ourselves mm. and from preaching the gospel. Uh, could um, you say that louder that for we, the people in the back? <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I tell you that it is a... Um, it is, there is a temptation to get so busy with doing all of the other things, right? All of the good Christian things that mm -hmm. we forget um, that, 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 that there's, a, there's, there's more than a little bit in being among the lost and the broken. Um, that is a, it's a core part of who we are and who we, we need to, to remain. And, uh, and, and that is something we've seen over and over and over again in those that are seeing some level of success in the urban centers is they are among the lost their hearts are burning with passion and that comes through regular rhythms and disciplines mm, mm. so more let, to say let but. me ask you real quick about 14 uh, yep. this one is create ongoing team learning environments with application and reflection is that one all about like gatherings of leaders in some way or people it's, that you're training into the harvest or like You're what? doing it right now. I mean, this podcast is that he essentially. Sounded, um, <laughs> you sounded so exasperated with it. No, that's You're great. doing no, it. No, right no, no. I'm, I'm so encouraged by it. But but again, we see this this pattern in these movements. I mean, uh Kampala is a really good example, but there's lots of other places around the world where they prioritize the regular equipping of the saints to use sort of religious language. Um often in frequently and they don't they don't leave it to chance they they schedule it into their calendar mm. and they're going to say we are we are setting this time aside that we're going to talk about disciple making we're going to talk about following jesus and being disciples we're gonna we're going to pray we're going to go out and reach people um you know all of these very simple things mm. um and and I, and I think that the creativity around that uh you know uh, leads to something like a podcast which we are seeing in other places in the world um, and in more rural places like Madagascar, it's very clear they're using radio all over the place in the same way. And I think that that will probably transition to you know, a podcast model as that uh, technology becomes uh, more accessible. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, this this and more. Yeah. Man, OK, and so not just, not just with leaders, but also with the lost. I mean, one of the things I love about some of these locations is they actually take in people um, that that may not even consider themselves followers of Jesus, the people that are pre-baptism, and, and they they train them. <laughs> they say, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And they go through this course and they get really excited about it. And uh, by the time they turn around, they are like incredibly fruitful followers of Jesus who then, you know, get baptized and mm -hmm. do the other things. Mm -hmm. So I love it. That's very yeah. Jesus to me. I just yeah, feel yeah. like that's totally. how he recruited his disciples. Um, yeah. That's that's a, okay. I got one one more question as as far as the specific specific observations. So number fifteen, create intentional and consistent rhythms of connection. I know that probably goes a little bit with what you were just mm -hmm. talking about, um, and that's something that we always we're we're just wrestling with our own rhythms all the time, trying to have lots of flexibility in the various hubs mm -hmm. in the city, because uh, people ask the Western context, people church people ask us all the time, like, so do you guys gather? You know, like when's the service? When yeah, all that kind of stuff, and we yep. 
we've been very you know quick to say we don't have like these big fancy things we invite people to it's like um but at the same time we do have some we have some rhythms of more corporate connection even though they're never nearly that well attended like the number mm. of our micro churches in the city is always significantly more than the number of people who come to some of these, you know, citywide gatherings. So I don't know. We're always wrestling with that. What are what are some observe or some things that you have learned or observed talking to different cities mm. about consistent rhythms of connection? Um, I think that it's difficult, as you've as you mentioned. You know, uh, you have these gatherings, and I'm sure thought and uh, prayer goes into it, and then. People don't attend it because they are busy, yeah. uh, and uh, or maybe they think that there's something else that is more important, and and there there might be absolutely. But the the thing is that we have to prioritize um, in some way these gatherings, um, and and not just these big gatherings, right? We're not just speaking about sort of, um, you know, we, we use the term in, in Cape Town celebrations where we'd come together, you know, once or twice a month. Um, but also the small group gatherings and the one-on-one -on -one gatherings. And uh, the, the, these are these are rhythms of life that need to be in place. And I think mm -hmm. that um, consistency, I'll, I'll speak for myself, is not a is not a strength of, of my sort of millennial generation. I think we would rather like try it once or twice and if we feel great about it we'll keep it going for an, a month and if we feel good about it we'll keep going but it's always there's always a question is there something better that we can spend our time on yeah that probably means we all need to do less and do it better mm -hmm. so mm. oh man oh no that's yeah. a mic drop i just want to keep asking you questions all right i got one more i know this is this is a little bit in line with um Number eight, mobilize the existing church to refocus on engaging the lost through disciple making. Uh, we could go a lot of ways with that because it's um, a consistently complicated uh, question. I think mine, I want to lean towards this way of thinking about it, though. When people ask us in Kansas City, one of the reasons why we're seeing fruit, my answer lately has been fighting for unity with all expressions of the church. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And it's okay if we can't fully understand what that looks like on the ground. It's okay. We're going to find something that we can be unified in and we don't want to be anyone just like, you know, you know, flipping the church off and be like, we're going to do it better. So that is, that is, um, it's yielded so much fruit for just us fighting yep. for unity. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Just like in, in urban context, you're going to have probably more presence, I would assume, of maybe traditional models of church uh, yep. than maybe other rural environments that might have more unengaged or unreached people groups. And w what have you seen as some consistencies with how movement expressions have run alongside traditional forms of church? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a really difficult one because, uh, you know, when I learned about disciple making and disciple making movements and church planning of movements, I think one of the temptations that I had, at least in my own journey, was to sort of judge a little bit, like judge yeah. the judge the bride, and um, and it was it was sinful, um, and I I really had to repent of it mm -hmm. and come for, full circle back to God loves the church, uh, yeah. even though as we see over and over again in Scripture that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's whole 
whole books that compare the sort of the bride or the body of Christ to like a whore, like a, an unfaithful yeah. bride. So it, it's a it's a really difficult, tough um, dichotomy. However, that so that's that's the the base that we start from. Um, there are lots of churches that have. Um, the, there are a lot of people and cities that have struggled to know how to work together with the sort of the existing body of Christ. Yeah. Um, and I think the more churches and the more sort of church communities and denominations that there are, are the harder it gets. But it is a, it is a worthy challenge. Mm -hmm. um, it is an uphill battle and it's a worthy challenge. Um, I, I think when churches recognize or church communities recognize that we are not trying to take their people um yeah. and and put them into our church communities they uh and, you know and it's it's easier said than done right like we can say it all day but there's still that fear of okay you're saying no but now they're attending all of your stuff and not attending my stuff so there's that um but in the places where we've seen success this pops up over and over again that there is a commitment to it in terms of like the strategy of how they do that i'm i'm hoping that we'll learn more in the next few years as we uh gather more, more data sets but but i i will say this is talked about over and over again and many people actually um slow down i think that's one thing which is really hard for us to do but actually slow down and 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 not so much that we're not doing what God says, but actually slow down enough to say, hey, do you want to come with me? Like, let's go and visit some of the people that I'm working with. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think you have it right. I really do. I think unity is extremely important and extremely difficult, and you should keep yeah. trying. But in terms of strategies, please let me know if you figure something out. <laughs> yeah. I okay. think I think we'll have some stories on that in the next few years. Yeah, and actually, you know, so our plan, and this is for all listeners as well, uh, is to use these 15 top common urban ob observations as kind of a framework outline for the next, what did we say, year to 10 years? Uh, I think you said 700-something episodes, yeah, if okay, I recall correctly. <laughs> because what we'll do is we'll, we'll kind of plug in interviews maybe of local people on the ground to maybe... Uh, "Quote unquote experts in the field mm. at something that they do well in this, and bring Michael in back to talk about one that we're confused on or whatever it is. Right? We kind of use this as a, as an outline. Um, Michael, I'm going to give you about a minute to think through this. So we love to ask in in a lot of our podcasts, and if you had a word to speak over or an encouragement or admonishment, even um, Brian loves to be admonished uh, of just like uh, for us here in Kansas City." Uh, we we're all ears, so we're gonna let you think on that uh, for the next few seconds. And um, and for us to say here uh, in Kansas City, we're super grateful for you guys. Thank you for doing the hard work. Like mm. even just sitting here talking to you, I'm like, oh man, just the the wealth of knowledge that you all. Um, it, it, it is so practical. It's rich. Yeah, and it's it's like that's it's where we're at too. So it's so fun to learn um, from people. And thank you guys for for leading the way in learnings. And so then we can, um, just, yeah, jump on your back and say, yeah, what they did already. So, um, yeah, man, just want to appreciate you. Thank you. Um, Brian, you got anything before we, we hear from Michael? Okay. So Michael Sherwin, anything that you would have for a Kansas city underground or Kansas city that you would just speak over us right now? Well, firstly, I, I just want to say thank you again. Um, uh, 
it was it was the best thing. It really is the best thing in the world to ask people what God is doing, um, to hear testimony after testimony after testimony. Mm-hmm. And just to say this report that we put out is the the tip of the iceberg in regard to what God is doing around the world. Um, we don't pretend like we have anything figured out. And so my encouragement to you is as you go through this podcast and as the listeners sort of work through this report, um, that they would be very clear on a few things. One is this is this is observational and it's hy- hypothetical. So this is we've interviewed some people and we've stared at the data. We have compiled it. We've done tons of spreadsheeting. We have looked at numbers. We have uh, tested it a bit. Um, but this is they're, they're, these are not conclusions. And um, I think the danger that we can as sort of as the body of Christ is we can find a new sort of uh, set of laws to follow and say, okay, if we do these 15 things, uh, then then we're going to have movement or we're going to see a move of God in our city. And I'd suggest that just isn't true, firstly. Um, Secondly, um, what we really want people to do with this whole thing is to discuss it um, to, uh, discuss it together in community, because if there's any reason to gather together, then it's a good one, especially around what God is doing, um, to disagree, uh, with some of the things that you read and say, no, I don't think that that's right. Let me, let's discuss it with some other people and, and to actually give us feedback, especially you guys who are, are seeing God move in amazing ways in the city. Please tell us as things develop and grow, and our commitment is that we will have follow-up conversations with you so that we can find out if what we've said so far is still true mm. in a couple of years. So, mm. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you, my brother. Um, so thank good, you. man. Yeah, we're absolutely going to uh, swing back and, and bug you again sometime. Uh, just tell all those other 248 people we say what's up. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you. What's up? What's up? Let's say it in like a very yeah, <laughs> Texas Southern, not Southern, south of me, but not Southern sort of That's way. Right. All right. Well, blessings, my friend. Um, we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. See you, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement, that leads to the emergence of microchurches and every network within your city. We'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.